Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Feral Evangelion, the Neon Genesis Evangelion podcast, where we go through the series bit by bit. My name is Keith, I'm going through for my first time, oh, sorry, my last time, and as always... I'm oh, it's like, your first time, Keith? Awesome! <laughs> sorry. Uh, I'm Peter, this is my first time, except not really anymore, but still, sure, why not? <laughs> it sounded almost like an AA level of, like, it's my first time here. I've been, uh... Alcoholic, or I've been alcohol-free. Nope, not alcohol-free. I've been uh, lack of Evangelion-free for about uh, two years now. <laughs> I get my two-year chip in a week's time. I'm sad. <laughs> well, it looks like you're about to relapse, because uh, we read Volume 2 of the uh, Campus Apocalypse series. Yep. Uh, we We did it. Way to go! You know, I would say if this was an ever so slightly better series in the form of it being Shinji Zakari Detective Diaries, uh, we'd be done now. Because that one, I don't mean to keep harping on this, that one got to the point quick and just ended its fucking series. It may have had its flaws, but the thing is, the flaws did not stick around for a long time. Sounds to me, you just really like Shinji Zakari Detective Diary. I enjoyed the length of Shinji Kari Tire, that's for sure. Uh, so how do you think you did with your uh, prediction of a volume 2? I think I did spectacularly. Uh, sorry, I should elaborate on that, and also I didn't actually think I did that spectacularly. So my predictions were, uh, there was going to be some sort of follow-up or payoff to that Head in the church uh, scene that they spent a couple pages talking about. That didn't happen. I predicted Shinji would shoot an angel in the face. That didn't happen. I did predict that there would be a follow-up to the weird little girl with a cat. And thank fucking Christ, there was a follow-up to that. So, uh, D. I I'm giving myself a D for that one. Yeah, this one overall feels like it's setting up for a lot of stuff hitting the fan in Volume 3. Yeah. Uh, we start off with kind of a mini recap of the end of the last one. Where, like, oh, should you have to make a choice type thing about, like, are you going to be helping us or not? Even though he clearly fought Rami on the last one. Yes. Uh, and we kind of start with them getting ready for uh, the Festival of the Holy Savior. Because it turns out that the Nerve School is also a Christian, like, charter school. Yes. Uh, and uh, I, I did read this series uh, before, uh, though I haven't really revisited it uh, since we started doing the podcast. But the one thing I did remember about this series, like very fondly, was the fact that Ray shows up with a horse mask that she's very attached to. Yes, that uh, that gave me a, a solid chuckle. There is Ray showing up wearing a horse mask. Oscar saying, "Did you wear that here?" Ray being like, yeah, well, I knew I had to bring it, and it was easier than carrying it. And then uh, she asks if it's alright if she eats her fucking breakfast there, because she missed it this morning. And Oscar's like, yeah, sure, fine. And then Ray just pulls out a carrot and says, I'm method acting, and starts going to eat the carrot. It's all in all a great image. Or not a great image, a great scene. It's one of those great jokes where it doesn't draw like an insane amount of attention from the story to like, hey, look at what crazy thing going on here. Because it's just like she likes the mask, she wears the masks, she has the one-off thing about the method uh, acting. And then later on, uh, the, one of the persons is supposed to be playing an angel in the, their nativity play, because Asuka's playing the Virgin Mary. And uh, Ray got cast as a horse, 
<laughs> uh, the angel gets injured, but Ray's the only person that knows the lines well enough to like cover for her, so Shinji has to replace and play the horse. And yeah. it looks like there's going to be a confession scene between her and Shinji, but she just wants the horse mask back. Uh, I mean, there is a confession scene, it's just what she confesses is that she's quite fond of the horse mask. Yeah. And then uh, it gets banned from being able to wear it in class because she was wearing it constantly. Well, she was not only wearing it constantly, she was wearing it and then immediately passing the fuck out in, uh, fucking class. Yeah, after all these years I've still asked, uh, read through it, that was still something I remembered, like, almost exactly. Uh, that does pretty much go through the first, like, it's an ongoing joke between the first two chapters, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so there was a bunch of stuff we kind of skipped over in between there, like, for example, we see Kaji for the first time who uh, is apparently working as, like, a freelance salaryman, and at this point he's taking photos for the newspaper, taking advantage of the fact that as he's Shinji's guardian, he's able to come in and snap some photos of some very famous Italian twins. That uh, who who may or may not be recognized from previous chapters. Uh, I mean, you won't recognize both the twins, but the girl twin is the girl from the previous chapter who rescued her cat. And by rescued her cat, I mean almost died at the hands of an angel and was wielding a cat at the time. So, there you go. There's that payoff I referenced. <laughs> definitely nothing else going on there. Definitely not secretly an angel in disguise. No, definitely not. Uh, we also get, like, a little bit of backstory to Bisato and Kaji in this world, which is, it seems they know each other, uh, and we don't get it all right here, but the implication is we end up finding out that Kaji worked at a lab and something bad happened, and during the flashback where he's remembering it, there's bloody bodies all over the place. And it's kind of implied Misato also worked there, but it's been yeah. closed and they all kind of went their separate ways since, and she took up teaching. Also, Kaji's like, I, I feel like we've met before to Kaoru. I don't think we're going to be surprised by any revelation about Kaoru in this one, honestly. No, <laughs> Kaoru... But if you're going to get so, shocked by it. Yeah, so Kaji... Reveals that part of what they were doing there was experimenting on children, but Karu looks very familiar and looks like that kid, but he doesn't specify who that kid is. But also at the same time, he openly admits he has no memory of what that kid actually looked at like, so he could just be filling in blanks and putting Karu's face on top of his. Uh, which would be neat. Yeah, and it's Evangelion paint with the same strokes, but like through different style, I guess, is the best way to put what the series kind of does. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I, it's also pretty obvious that Ray and Kawa are going to turn out to be, you know, modified children for the simple fact of being angels and stuff like that. Although, uh, an interesting thing that gets revealed later on in this one, too, is that Asuka is also in a similar vein to them, where she was also genetically yeah. made. Which is kind of like that neat middle ground between the original and the re uh, rebuilds. There is a slight distinction where uh, he mentions that him and Ray are both fully constructed test tube babies, whereas Asuka is similar to them, but is the actual child of two people who worked at the lab at the time. Yeah. So, not entirely the same thing. There is still a distinction between Ray and uh, Karu versus Asuka. It's one of those neat stepping stone things where uh, if you look at all the Evangelion stuff as a whole, more often than not, uh, Asuka is a pseudo-test tube baby, uh, if not just outright uh, a clone of some sort. Yeah. It's really only in the original series or the non-scientific school-based ones 
that uh, tend to have her just be a natural birth. Yeah, that that is how it generally works. Uh, but yeah, Shinji immediately recognizes the female twin uh, as the girl from the other night. We get the backstory of them being somehow very famous for singing. Well, they're the children of the world's two best opera singers, yeah. because that's something we rank globally, is your global rankings vis-a-vis -vis opera singing. I mean, I'm joking, but I'm sure uh, right now, if you ask someone who's deep into opera who's the world's best opera singer, they might actually have a sincere answer. So, I take back my uh, insincere comments about that. Uh, but also, the two kids recently won a prize for opera singing. I just like really like the, the concept of two opera singers meeting and then asking each other what their ELO ranking is. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm actually high diamond. Oh shit, I'm only low plat. I guess you're a better opera singer than I am. Only one way to find out. 1v1 me. <laughs> 1v1 me at, uh, Don Juan or something. That That's a opera, probably. I'm not gonna question it or look it up. Uh, and neither is our fans, because they trust me completely, because why would I ever lie to them? Uh, and then uh, this chapter starts wrapping up with uh, them doing the practice for the stage play. We never actually see the actual stage play, because it kind of skips over it. But uh, we have Shiji off on the wings, and Misato starts, like, you know, trying to get him ready for it. It's like, oh, go break a leg or whatever. She punches him in the back of the head, and he ends up falling into the set and breaking it. And it looks like he's just banned from the play. Like, the horse was fully cut. Was that a practice? I thought that was the actual pr uh, production of the play. It looked like it was just a stage practice. Although uh, I might be wrong. Either way, it doesn't really affect too much if it is. Uh, I guess it's just how like, yeah. Asuka beat the shit out of Shinji afterwards. He definitely got the shit kicked out of him. It was either a little or a lot. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, in the next chapter, we... Because uh, that one's kind of where that one ends. It yeah. ends with the joke about the horse mask and uh, Ray wanting it back. And yeah. then sleeping in class with wearing it. In the next uh, event... They call them. They don't call them chapters. They call them events. Yeah. In the next event, uh, we start with a whole bunch of mysterious people talking about angels in a dark room. And we see that black cat who got rescued the other day. Yeah, we get a confirmation of Zuriel and Israfel's involved. Uh, and uh, Ariel and Ramiel have both fallen vis-a-vis uh, -vis fighting against small children with weapons. Yeah. So, two of the angels are dead, and two of the angels are confirmed to be involved. Yeah. And, although we do know from looking at this, there's at least three, uh, four people in this conversation. Yeah. And it's very heavily implied at a later point that while the two small children aren't here, they are at least involved in the situation whether or not they themselves are angels. Yeah. Which, uh... A uh, little fun thing here that I feel like... Evangelion the anime did in an interesting along-the-side way of it. All the angels have designations. So, for example, Ramiel's the god of thunder. Uh, thunder lightning. And we know from the first volume of this series that they had lightning powers. So they could shoot electricity and charge up attacks on stuff. And in the original, they had a really powerful like blast attack, essentially. Yeah. Uh, or, uh... Uh, Uriel is the one of f fear. 
And in that one, it would plunge the base into darkness and was corrupting everything and taking over. Uh, and in this one, we uh, get them later on as they're kind of pulling people into dream, uh, a dreamlike state from their games. And uh, yeah. pretty much what I'm highlighting is that I think this series does a lot more interesting way of showing their status through their powers. Yeah, uh, in the original anime and manga, a lot of the... While they had different roles and affiliations, they ended up all just kind of using the same plan of assault the base, kill everyone inside. Whereas these angels seem to have very different tactics based on what their role is as the angel. Yeah, and uh, for an example, uh, using the original anime, because we haven't seen this angel yet. Well, we end up seeing Shamshell later, but not seeing what their powers are. But they're the god of conquering. And in the original series, that's the angel where Shinji ends up conquering his fear and is able to face the angels actually finally. Uh, the first fight he actually does on his own, he's like, don't run away, and ends up saving people. Makes sense. So in the original series, they still had little homages to what the angel was for, as it kind of tied into the story arc itself, not necessarily angels' powers. But in this one, the angels literally have the powers linked to their status. Yeah. Speaking of having weird powers, uh, Shinji seems to have that situation of characters trapped in a movie but isn't in the movie's universe because we get a smash cut here that Shinji gets surprised by uh, where we go from him having breakfast with Kaji to him in the middle of a basketball game and he has to be like, oh shit, I'm in a basketball game? Whoa, right, cool, let me participate. Uh, so, that was fun. I enjoyed that. And he fucking just smacks Kaoru in the face to blow Yeah, his other teammates ask him to stop Kaoru. And, uh, Kaoru says some shit about, I'm sure I'm gonna get past the D on this one. And then, Shinji just fucking slaps him in the face and knocks him down. <laughs> he even gets a foul. Yeah. Uh, but Kaoru seems to be in a weird thing where he's trying to understand Shinji and, I guess, express himself to him that he's having an issue with, which is also why Shinji was able to block him, because how would he be able to block him otherwise? Yeah. Uh, a lot of this volume, uh, this chapter uh, seems to be told largely from Kara's perspective as much... Or no, not this one. This chapter is still from Shinji's perspective. The next one ends up being told seemingly largely from Kara's perspective. But this one is all about Shinji trying to figure out what's going on with Kara, and Kara revealing details about him. Like, for instance, in this video game that you referenced earlier that's taking over people's minds and making them go to sleep, Karu plays the class of Fallen Angel with the name of Tabris, which seems weirdly on the fucking nose if you've ever played a... or read an Evangelion thing before. <laughs> Such a cool name. That's like the God of Light or something, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, and everyone... Toji and Kensuke are also very into the game, and they're trying to egg Shinji into it so that they'll bring over Karu, because Karu's really good at it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's all kind of the backdrop of this volume is Shinji deciding if he wants to take part in this war, even though we kind of pseudo-went through it in Volume 1. To be fair, Volume 1 was more so about him finding out about the war and finding out there's a place for him if he wants it, whereas this volume seems to be largely him now considering the option of participating in the war or leaving. Like, there's even a conversation he has a little bit later on. Uh, where he's like, why me, Kaoru? Why am I being included when all of you test tube babies were specifically bred for this? And Kaoru's like, there isn't some weird grand design going on here. 
you happen to be in the right place at the right time, you have the option to participate now. But you're also perfectly free to just fucking walk away and not participate if that's what you would rather do. No one will stop you. Although we also get indicated that the angels were aware of Shinji himself before the incidents happened to. Yes. Also, we find out that that weird website that talked about the Pillars of Earth being uh, fallen down and bringing about the end of time was actually created by Nerve as a way... Because there's a lot of places the angels could attack and they have no way of knowing, so they create this conspiracy board website and then if anyone sees something weird that fits with the conspiracy, they'll post there and that makes it easier for Nerve to turn the general population into trackers for angels without having to legitimately announce angels are real. Yeah, which is a really cool way to do it. Like, I don't think that type of, like, gathering information is done a lot in much narratives, so it's cool to see... No, and it's, it's cool to see them being like, we're gonna spread the conspiracy theory, because if we spread it, conspiracy theorists will believe it, but the general population still won't, and we'll be able to take advantage of conspiracy theorists. Fucking fantastic way of going about it. And the kind of thing that not a lot of uh, media generally does with these conspiracy groups, like you said. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, after that discussion, we start with the next volume, uh, or the next chapter, event. And uh, This Coward is the one... Sorry, this is the one I was saying that's largely told from Kara's perspective. Like, it starts with Kara offering to buy Shinji lunch, uh, and Shinji stepping away for a second because he wants to... He forgot his, his pencil case. From pencil case, yeah. And that's where he runs into the two children's uh, the boy child tells him to stick away from the girl child, but because of her weird name, Shinji just thinks he's uh, telling him to stay away from C's, which is ridiculous, because C's get degrees. There's no point in striving for anything higher. Um, we know Shinji's not. Or Shinji's definitely not. Uh, and then we see the other girl, and she sees him and uh, yells, I'm sorry, and sprints away. But Shinji just assumes she's terrified of him, which is fair. I would be terrified of Shinji. Anyways, the rest yeah, of the chapter... He did pull a gun last time. Yeah. The rest of this chapter is the one that's told from Kaoru's perspective, where Kaoru is having lunch with Ayanami, and talking about how they have a meeting going on later. Uh, he tells the same information to Asuka, and, like, discusses the fact that they probably shouldn't tell Shinji, because Kaoru is still trying to decide for himself whether Shinji should be included in any of this, which is a bit silly, because what he ends up learning later on is he should just give the choice to, uh, to Shinji instead of trying to make the decision for Shinji. Yeah. Uh, and it's a lot of him trying to figure out why Shinji is doing all of this and what's going on with Shinji. Um, why Shinji does to the point, Yeah, to the point where later on in the chapter, uh, when Shinji's like getting ready for bed, Kaoru just like shows up at his door and is like, I have been told that friends have sleepovers sometime. Can I sleep over? Also, it looks like he's trying to set up uh, a misunderstanding uh, love triangle plot because Shinji is very clearly interested in Rei. And when he oh, does yeah. return yeah. to the lunchroom, uh, Kaoru's talking about the scar, and he moves the hair to look at the scar, and then that's when Shinji shows up, he's like, oh no. To be fair, I don't know if that's Kaoru trying to set up the love no, triangle. I don't mean he's trying to set up, I mean, like, story-wise, they're setting it up. Yes, the author is absolutely setting up a love triangle of, oh, clearly Shinji thinks Kaoru and Rei are in a relationship, and has very strong feelings for Rei. Uh, anyways, at this point, Kaoru, uh, gets pat on the head by Shinji, because Shinji keeps calling him weird, and Kaoru's like, for the love of god, can you just call me not weird for a second? I'm clearly going through some shit right now. And so Shinji pats him on the head, and he says, there's nothing wrong with being a little weird, which is still not what he asked for, um, 
<laughs> Maybe but it would Kara be really weird if you stopped being weird, weirdo. Uh, uh, Kara has flashbacks to being a very heavily bandaged small child, and a different small child patting him on the head, and he's like, this feels very familiar. This is a sensation I've experienced before. Uh, the thing I do like about this, because this happens just before, is uh, because Kaoru doesn't have anything, Shinji ends up, you know, uh, oh, take some of these pajamas, I'll go get us some snacks. And when Shinji comes back in, Kaoru is so fucking depressed just sitting there. Yeah. He's like, oh god, I fucked it all up, I didn't bring snacks or clothes. And then uh, Kaoru asks Shinji if he's lonely. Uh, because his mom's dead and his dad's overseas. So, there we go. Uh, In-universe explanation. Uh, Gendo's not dead. And I don't think he's overseas either. But the story that Shinji has been told is that he is overseas. Um, you don't think he could be that mysterious commander Ray keeps talking about taking orders from? Uh, no, that seems unreasonable and unlikely. Uh, anyways, uh, this is when Kaoru is like, Yeah, I know what you feel like. And Shinji's like, oh, are you in a similar situation to me? He's like, no, I know what it's like to have no parents. I have no parents. And that's where we get the explanation of him and Ray being test tube babies. Yeah, he's like, we didn't need them. They decided it wasn't needed for us. Yeah. But then Kaoru uh, does end up getting the realization. He's like, oh, I should actually probably just be clear with Shinji. Because that's how he yes. operates. And just tell him, like, oh, I would like it if you joined us. Yeah. I would actually genuinely appreciate that. That would make me happy if you fought alongside us. And by us, I mean me specifically. I don't really care if you fight alongside Ray or Asuka, but if you fight alongside me, that'll make me happy. You know, just like hold a little bit of hands. Yeah, what if we just like held hands while fighting angels in the dark? Oh no, Shinji, there's an angel on your bed. Uh, anyways, uh, cut to the next morning, and we see... Uh, Kaji is asleep on the coach. Shinji gives him f some shit for not walking the extra ten feet to his bed before falling asleep. And Kaji asks him about that handsome young boy who was sleeping over the night before. Uh, and this is one of the first times he's ever seen Shinji so animated or conversationalist. So well, It's more he's like, hey Shinji, that boy, what's he like? What kind of boy is he, Shinji? Tell me, Shinji! Yeah, but he seems genuinely happy because after Shinji yeah. walks away... He's like, uh, this is the first time I've ever seen Shinji capable of holding a conversation. Uh, couldn't do that before. So, uh, and this is also where we get the flashback to the, like, bloody lab and shit. Yeah. Uh, with a whole bunch of dead people. So, in this brief scene of Kaji being in the house and taking care of Shinji and asking him about his feelings, I think that's enough context to compare him to Gendo as a father. Would you say rad dad or bad dad? Uh, I would say, uh, Kaji's being a pretty rad, uh, father figure in this one. Ooh, the, I respect the mystical category, the rad father figure. Yeah, I'm not gonna call him a rad dad, because rad dad's reserved for, uh, men who won't ask their employees to do anything they wouldn't do, such as provide emotional support to their son. Um, that's a rad dad right there. Didn't we have one chapter, like, a long time ago, where I referred to Gendo as potentially the best father figure in manga? Yes. Uh, I believe that's yeah. during the Shinji Akari Racing Project. That sounds entirely possible. That, that would be accurate. Um, honestly, though, no. Like, I wouldn't call him a dad, because that's not what Kaji's trying to be. You're right, Kaji's absolutely... Yeah, Kaji's absolutely a fantastic uh, father figure to Shinji here. Genuinely concerned about his mental well-being, asks him about his friends, does the his best to try to help at night. 
Yeah, but like also doesn't ask him about the boys in such a way as to make Shinji or the boys uncomfortable. Yeah. Waits a polite amount of time until after the boys have left to then ask him about the boys that were over. What are your intentions with my uh, son figure? Uh, did you hold hands deep into the night fighting angels? Anyways, Shinji leaves, comes across uh, Ayanami. There's an earthquake. They hold hands. Uh, Ayanami is immediately standing up after the earthquake, uh, talking about how time is running out, and the longer they go on, the more uh, destroyed the fabric of their reality will be. And the entire time, Shinji's just thinking, oh man, she's got some real slim legs. I'm into that shit. And it's just like, Shinji... Fuck off! Fuck all of the way off! She's having an important conversation with you, and you're turning her into just an object for your sexual desires. I don't like this. Also, Kawa was just there with you, and you're already doing yeah, this. You're already moving on to the other constructed child. But, uh, Shinji Kazai has, like, a little inner monologue thing. Summons his gun! <laughs> it's like, I will help you fight! Yep. I mean, realized for a moment here, I thought my prediction was gonna come correct. And, uh, he was about to shoot an angel in the head, because he's just staring down Ayanami and then pulls out a gun, and I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? Middle Anyways. of the day, everyone going to school. This is probably, like, Kaoru was able to peek in on them. He's like, oh, he's he's gonna join us. Smile on his face. <laughs> but still, why would he summon the gun here? Yeah. Anyways, uh, it's announced, or not announced, but Shinji gets to school and sees a very, uh, tired Toji. And asks him about it, and turns out Toji was up all night gaming. Um, and begs Kara to join in on the game with him, to help him fight a difficult enemy. And Kara's like, nah, bitch, dropped that game a long time ago, I don't care about it anymore. And he kind of, like, menacingly alludes to the fact that uh, the game's more than a game. Yeah, you should probably lay off that game for a while. There's a chance you might not bake it back one of these days. Cut to the next chapter, and we get a flashback to a month earlier, where a mysterious game dev is asking Kensuke to get every single one of his friends to play this game as a beta tester. It's completely free. They can put it on as many computers as they want. Just please play it as much <laughs> as possible. Take this computer chip and install it on all the computers on your school, knowing it was you. Yeah. Uh, and then we find out that everyone who played the game ended up, like, comatose afterwards. Um... Except they don't say comatose, they just say they're uh, all unconscious in a state of very deep sleep forever, which is just comatose as far as I understand, and it's weird that they don't just say they're in a coma. And why are they all being kept at the school inform infirmary? Yeah, why wouldn't they be taken to an actual hospital? Why are they at the nurse's office at their middle school? I would like to believe if I was in middle school and fell into a coma, my parents wouldn't be like, Alright, time to take little Peter to the fucking nurse's office at his junior high. That's where the best care exists. Also, on top of that, how big is this school infirmary? Because we end up seeing the classroom after that scene where it's Ritsuko and Misato talking about it. And there's like eight people left in this classroom, including the main characters. And it's an auditorium-style one. So it's big. <laughs> it's like, okay, if we assume that everyone who's not here right now is in that, and then every class has a similar amount, what, like, what is going on with this infirmary? To be fair, we can't assume every class is like that. Because we're, I mean, we can't assume... Every grade is like that, uh, because we're told it's just the middle school that has these depressing numbers. The younger students and the older students are all perfectly fine. So it's entirely possible Kensuke just passed out the drive to the people in his specific class. 
That's fair. But even then, yeah, it's a stupid amount of people for a school uh, nurse's office to be able to hold. What were they planning on? Why did they need this capacity? Also, uh, Suzuhara shows up. Koji, uh, I don't know why I refer to him as Suzuhara. And it shows up. He wasn't asleep. Uh, his computer blue screened, so he wasn't able to get deep enough into the game to actually yeah. pass out. Uh, we found out there's another student in his class who's like, Hey, Toji, send me the code for the game that everyone else played and passed the fuck out and almost died playing. Uh, it, my computer bricked and I can't fucking play the game anymore. And Toji's like, Oh, my computer also bricked. I can't play the game anymore. And it's just like, Wow, you guys are... Uh, I'm not saying if... People got sick, my first mind is video games, but if everyone who played a computer game got deeply sick, and then the only people who played the computer game and didn't get completely sick are the people whose computer broke when they tried to play the computer game, I might start considering whether or not the computer game's associated. <laughs> I wouldn't Even be though asking I, people... I might not fully I, believe it was the computer game, but I'd have a thought about it. I might start, like, I would at least jokingly say, thank god my computer broke before I got the sleep death sickness. Uh, and then we end up getting a cut to the GNX company that made the game. Uh, and we have a character that's talking to someone else, and then his quote-unquote sister shows up to meet him. And we end up finding and out And he gets that... real fucking pissed off at that sister, let's be honest. Yeah. And then we find out that, uh, this is Sandalfon, and she's a student at the school. Thus implying that this man with the glasses is also an angel. Yeah, they make reference to be working on behalf of Israfel. Uh, they also say hello to someone named Iruel. Oh, fuck, nope, I'm just not going to try that again. Uh, Iruel. It's the, uh, what a fear. The one that pops up uh, at the end, who is also implied to be the one that is trapping the minds of the games. So probably trapping them within nightmares. Fair. And then they go to find Kensuke to track down what happened. And when they get there, his room is empty and the window's open. Yep. Uh, and the angels are talking over this and say about how the angels are already done. They can't really do anything else about it, so it's time to leave things up to Lady Luck. Cut to smash ending. Shinji's back at the basketball game getting dunked on by Kara. Well, why, why would they leave it up to Lady Luck, though? You think you would just kind of stick through with the plan? Yeah, the plan seems to already be working. Why would you start leaving things up to Luck? Why wouldn't you just continue using the plan? Yeah, uh, as we kind of said, they've kind of established like six or seven angels in play around the school. We know there's two volumes left, so it seems that they're building up to something big uh, that will be happening in the next volume. Uh, there's actually one thing I do want to go back to, though, and that is uh, Toji finally makes a really good joke in this volume. It, oh, is that the horse thing? Yeah, because clearly Shinji's like all happy about Ray and the horse head, and then Toji's fucking line is, <laughs> "What are you panting about so hard, Shinji? Hoping to get a little horse?" Yeah, yeah. It's the first good joke he's made in all timelines. I assume it's also the last one. Uh, that brings me to one thing I do want to say about this series. Um. Which is, I, like, I don't dislike it. One thing I will say is it seems... It's made changes to the characters, which all of these spinoffs make subtle changes to the characters. But it seems to have made choices I don't fully agree. It's a personal gripe. I fully acknowledge what I'm about to complain about. 
personal opinion, not an actual saying, me saying that the book's bad or anything. But the fact that Shinji seems very focused on Rei in, like, a very romantic way and seems to have carnal feelings for Rei <laughs> is how I'm going to phrase it. Uh, to paraphrase uh, Shinji's feelings and whether or not they exist for Kaoru. Um, I don't love that. It it just feels a little weird to me that, like, Shinji, every time Rei is around, starts, like, fucking panting and staring and, like, muttering under his breath. Like, it just feels fucking weird and creepy to me. Yeah. Uh, especially when, like, in most versions of this storyline, Shinji's interaction, especially in the original ones, Shinji's interactions with Rei are never those kind of interactions. He's always, like, a little bit obsessed and curious with her, but it never comes across as, like, a sexual or, like, a carnal feeling. It's always more so, like, for some reason you make me think of my mother and I'm curious to get back that lost innocence or some shit like that. Like, Yeah, she's supposed to be the mother figure in a blank slate. Uh, yeah, and this really one just... Two storylines that aren't, like, a choose-your-own-adventure video game, obviously, whether Ray has a romantic interest perspective in it, one of which was Angelic Days, but ultimately ends up with Asuka in that one. And this one, she's the mysterious... Like, she, she's almost like she's fitting the new girl thing of, like, the new intriguing girl that he, like, he's just obsessed with. Yeah, like, it would almost make sense if... Wasn't Angelic Days the one where she shows up on her first day and, like, Asuka's his childhood friend and yeah. Asuka keeps getting upset about the fact that Shinji keeps being curious about Rei and seeming to have romantic feelings? Yeah, that also seems to be happening here um except ray's also just been around the entire time but shinji still has these weird obsessive feelings about her yeah um it, it, i don't know. does have that level of like you kind of have to break off from the rest of the series because as you said yeah most of the time ray is also his mother's like body in a sense yeah uh and there's a lot of context in these characters between multiple storylines where not everything always works out the exact same way. Where, like, for example, in Angelic, Angelic Days, that Ray is in no way his mother. But yes. in this version, we still don't know yet. We just know that she was genetically modified, and considering what we know about Evangelion, she was probably modified from his mother. Yeah, and to be clear, I don't, like... I'm not upset about the idea that, like, he could be lusting after his mother, although now that I say that, I am upset about that. It's just but that's not like it's complex. But that's not, like, the root of my feelings here. It just... It yeah. feels like they're trying to sexualize his relationship with Rey, and it just feels weird for them to spend that much time on it to me. Yeah. And even in the original one, like, if we talk about purely the core Evangelion, uh... He said the Ray relationship was never really one of like romantic feeling. It was like a bond. The only character that I would say had like that romantic interest with Shinji was Asuka, but it wasn't. And Kaoru. Well, Kaoru was a whole different thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no carnal feelings. Absolutely not. There were no, no carnal no feelings in that relationship. We can all agree on that. It was just two guys that said he loved each other, slept in the same bed at least once, and bathed. Held hands. Yeah. Yeah, and showered together. That's all. That's all it was. But uh, There yeah. were no carnal feelings. Uh, even with the Oscar one, though, going back to that, uh, I feel like it was never supposed to end with, you know, them getting in a real ship either. Yeah. It was supposed to be, like, highlight the fact that, like, he's growing older. Exactly. It's supposed to show that he's no longer just a kid. He 
is growing up and is starting to be aware of these other things. I don't know. I, it's a weird thing to complain about, but it's just one of those things I found really grating in this volume. Yeah. Especially, like, early on with the horse and, like, her wearing the horse mask and him, like, being way too into the horse mask. I mean, she oh, does no. ask if he's into horseplay. Yeah, exactly. That fucking line. And, like, his fucking reaction at the time, it makes it seem like he's about to say, like, not specifically, but if that's something you're into, then yeah, fucking let's horseplay. Yeah, he's uh, very obsessive. Now, uh, at the same time, uh, this did debut in, like, a shoujo magazine, the similar uh, to Show and Jump the, for the boy comic type thing. So yeah. they're having a more strong romantic pressure on it. It's not that surprising, but it is weird that they would just double down on Ray from the beginning. Yeah. And not even in, like, a, oh, will they, won't they type thing. It's like, Shinji's, like, seems like he's 100% ready to go. Yeah, it seems like if Ray had any capacity for emotion whatsoever, Shinji would immediately be fucking proposing on the spot. Yeah. I don't know. Otherwise, I enjoy this series so far, but there are little bits like that, uh, and there wasn't a huge amount of them in this volume, but like going back to what we said in the last volume about the scene with the... Um, Shinji poking his head out and them talking about the ghost that haunts the church and it's like a couple of pages for no setup or payoff like it doesn't really feel like it adds anything I do remember I can't think of a specific example from this volume but I do remember having that thought again of like why are we spending time on this um and it just there are very few of those the big thing that I had the issue with was the ray of it all. That's fair. Although, it's still a pretty decent series. Yep. Not uh, quite the slam dunk of the Detective <laughs> Diaries, though. That's fair. Uh, I do uh, consider Campus Fuck that's one of my favorite spinoffs. It's uh, definitely up there for a top contender. But I, I can completely understand uh, exactly where you're going at. And like, there's parts where like, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this one either. <laughs> I mean, of course it's uh, top tier for you. You probably read it when you were at the appropriate age for this kind of dark, edgy material. <laughs> yeah, just yesterday. Exactly! <laughs> Turns out the perfect age for dark, edgy material is 30. Sorry to dox you and reveal your age to the people of the internet there, Keith. I mean, we have to get it in there. It is the new dead. Yeah. Uh... That being said, who knows, maybe in a year's time, that information will no longer be accurate. So, if you're listening to this podcast in the year 2024, better uh, question whether or not Keith is still 30, because he might not still be 30. Who knows? If you're listening to this, if you're listening to the podcast in 2025, then I can guarantee Keith is no longer 30. Who knows, maybe we were recording this years ago. Maybe we recorded this in 1994. (laughs) That would be impressive, because I would be an infant at that time. Uh, but still, maybe we're doing- Oh fuck, I just doxed myself and revealed <laughs> the approximate time of my birth. Fuck. I gotta stop doxing us, Keith. <laughs> Peter's address is... Approximately. Uh, approximately. Tokyo 3, Japan, depending on your definition of approximate. We live approximately on the planet Earth. 
We do approximately live on the planet Earth. Anyways, do you have any other uh, things you want to talk about with regards to this series? No, uh, really the only thing I wanted to go back to was that Toji joke. But uh, with that, we can start the wrap-up then. Cool. Uh, so with that, as always, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can send us an email at whatismypodcastabout at gmail.com. On top of that, these episodes go up every Wednesday on all podcasting platforms, as well as YouTube. Like, favorite, subscribe, tell a friend, leave a review. Word of mouth is definitely the best for passing this on to new people. We also have the Instagram page, Farewell Evangelion. We update little facts and photos about the series as we go through it at the same pace as we're going through the story. So if you're following along for the first time, you don't have to worry about spoilers. And lastly, as always, Peter, what can we expect on Volume 3 of Campus Apocalypse? Alright, next time on Farewell Evangelion, there will be Shinji actually firing his gun as an angel, I promise. This time he will fire his gun. Uh, we're going to see the little girl with the cat again, and the little boy who's the sister of the girl with the cat's going to kick the shit out of Shinji while plenty of fan service happens. <laughs>